Welcome all my friends to the sweet spot where IT leaders share the insight with other leaders and others that want to lead. My name is Carlos Vargas. As in every week, I have my two co-hosts. Wait, wait, you guys are together today. I didn't get the invite. We did. We, did. Well, we didn't we didn't really coordinate. <laughs> we, I, it was this morning, right? It was entirely coincidental <laughs> that we literally happened to be in the same town. Same town, same time, arrived the same day in time all both in time for for the recording so uh yeah it we uh paul sent me a text this morning hey can we do 5:15 or sent us and i went wait yeah i'll be in boston wait i'll be in boston Ooh, <laughs> maybe we should do maybe we should record live so right. together only one of us are loyal though that's the problem <laughs> that's true i am not at the i am not at the approved sweet spot loyalty hotel that's correct it's insane i there's only two reasons why i never stay at a marriott Reason, reason number one, I'm at a conference that's included within the um, uh, the, the Las Vegas Strip, right? Because you don't want to have to walk between Caesar's Palace and some Marriott somewhere. That's number one. Number two, if it's in the Disney Hug, right? If it's in a if it's in a series of Disney hotels, then clearly I'm going to stay at that hotel. <laughs> so you guys are in Boston. <laughs> Howard does not subscribe to that clearly based on this week alone. Okay, so Howard took a new job full time and allowed them to book his travel, and it will not happen again. <laughs> it happened twice, and it will not happen again. The first time was Orlando, right? Three weeks ago ish. It was yeah. a one day. I didn't really care. Like, I flew in on a Saturday, flew out on a Sunday. Sure. Didn't really care so much. And Orlando is huge, and it was really out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So, okay, fine. This one is like 1.9 miles from here. Um, and while it's the conference hotel, uh, I actually prefer not to be at the conference hotels. Well, I'm going, we're both going to a conference, but different conferences this week. There, mine is actually at the Hyatt. I'm not staying there because, of course, I'm not loyal to it. Right. Now, there are local Marriott's to that particular Hyatt. I just didn't like those either. So now I'm here. <laughs> a solid 20 minute walk away. Uh, that's not bad. Yeah. So, wait, so. The conference started today? Tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. There's okay, an event. So, I'm not going to that. No. Exactly. Why would we do are that? Are you looking forward to the conference? It's one of those conferences <laughs> that you, well, I have to be there because they send me to it, or what is it? I think we have different reasons. What's your reason? So I'm excited to be here. But I have to be here, so it's a big partner of ours that's putting on the conference. Um, they invited me out to do uh, like an interview speaking bit thing on stage on their main stage. Um, so I'm I'm excited about that. But I'm also I like the partner, um, and so I'm excited about kind of uh, using that voice to continue to build the relationship because it's somewhat new for the company. So I'm excited. Mine's data and technology conference, intellectually appealing, some data mesh stuff I want to sort of get into. But I have, you know, a couple people here that are up on stage that, you know, I want to, I want to, to appreciate. Um, and then, of course, we have some local staff here that I want to spend some time with. That, that's why. I'm so I think that we have been in our fair share of conferences. Some good, some bad, some horrible. And I think that it's important for the audience. Why now that we can start traveling again, it's important to proudly 
start cultivating again that skill set. We have spoken in probably almost every continent across all the three of us, uh, in probably almost every language. Have you been in Russia also? I haven't done Russia. I haven't, no. No, I think but, that but Africa... Enough, I've always done it in English. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I don't speak English well enough to claim a second language, so I'm just going to stick with this one. That being said, we were in Latam here yeah. in that cover, right? Yeah. And yeah. the audience had headphones, right? And they were getting real-time... Right, real-time translation. Translation. And I'm not sure how well it went, because I only knew one side of what's happening. They took a lot of notes. Yeah, there was a lot of notes. And there were quite a few questions afterwards, so I liked it. But you're right, fellas. We we do we do go to a lot of conferences, and we speak at a lot of conferences. And the time I spent in the last couple of conferences in the last couple of weeks, I was able to appreciate, underappreciate, and be distasteful of certain types of presentations. So much so that I've created an interesting analogy for the types of presentations, and I'm happy to walk you through that. Okay, I want. I, wait, I, I need to take notes on this. So start. <laughs> I don't. I don't yeah. want to take notes so much as I think I want to get comfortable for this. <laughs> okay. So as I'm listening, right there, there are some presentations you enjoy, some presentations you're really into, like you're really listening. Some presentations you're on your phone and doing other things, right? Um, and as as I was on my phone doing other things, I kind of started to write down what kind of presentations I was hearing. So. If you were to create an analogy of a present, and by that I don't mean past and present, I mean a, a gift, right? Fully wrapped. You don't really know what it is, uh, but it's a present that I'm giving to somebody else. And you were tasked to describe it, either as the giver or the receiver. Lots of different ways you can do that. So the first type of way you can describe it is not knowing much about what's inside of the box and only describing the box. Right, you'll go in depth on the wrapping and the ribbon and the process it took to create the wrapper and the the hours worth of endeavors of perfecting the lines, you know how you're cutting it, all that kind of stuff. You're just around the outside because that's as much as you knew. That's sort of presentation number one. And while you know that could be interesting for process reasons. Um, it becomes very clear when you're listening to somebody present that they don't have a lot of content, right? It's a lot of context, maybe, but not a lot of content, and therefore it's sort of a su superficial understanding of what that present is. That's number one. The second type of presentation is somebody who would describe that present as the toy on the inside, right? Here's the features and functions. Here's what happens when I plug it in. Here's how I play with it. You know, here's uh, the bells and whistles and dongles on the thing. Here's how it's better than the previous toy I received. That kind of thing, right? It's a very functional description of the thing inside, which might be interesting to somebody who's trying to compare toy one versus toy two, but not necessarily really appreciating the story of the toy. The third type of presentation I've discovered is much more about the buying journey, right? So, you know, I went to Korea and I went into Seoul and I found this little nice little store in the side of a 
you know, of a, of a, of a back street and I was looking through and I saw this one thing and it reminded me of you and I, I had to go get it and I bargained for, you know, down to $2 and I grabbed it and I brought it all the way home and I wrapped it and here you are. Awesome. Like that's, that's an interesting, compelling story of how you came about getting this toy. Now, it's kind of like the first one that it's process-wise, but at least it's intriguing and interesting and gives context greater than the present. But it's personal process. Yeah, it's personal right? process. Like, like the first one is this is is very much um, observational, yeah, but still technical. Right. Right. So I can technically describe the thing that I am seeing and hope that you see the same thing in your mind's eye. Yeah. But it doesn't really have value because I'm not telling you what's inside of it, and it's a present. Therefore, what's inside is the important part. Right. Then the second one does the same thing on the inside. Yes. Right. Okay. Cool. I don't. I no longer get the joy of the opening, which the first one would have given me, right. and thus the the wonderment of the surprise when I get there. But I have a much better understanding of why this box is brought here, why it was thought to be a present, by what's in it. Right. And then the third one is everything that matters, because the truth is, like, when was the last time you got a present that wasn't something you could just get for yourself? Very true. Right. Yeah. So since most of the time I can just get that stuff for myself, I'm much more interested in why did you pick this for me? Yeah. Oh, I picked it for you because I was standing near the checkout and I remembered your birthday was today and I had to get you something. Right. Much less interesting than six months ago, I was walking through this craft fair right. and somebody had this thing for sale and I walked past it three times and it kept bothering me why I kept going past it until I realized it was perfect for you. It reminded me of you, and therefore I had to stop and pick it up, right? Like, like yes. that story contains all of the value that gets me intrigued. Now I want to find out everything about the thing, because the thing now matters to me. Right. Now, what's interesting is that leads to the fourth and final one to which I so, sort of have discovered. And that's not the story of the giver, but it's the story of the receiver. So it's less about the box, it's less about the toy, it's less about the process of trying to get that toy. It's much more about how I feel receiving it. It's much more about the love I now have for the giver. It's about what I'm going to do with it when I take it home. It's going to be how it's changed my life in some way. It's the, it's the passion, it's the sacrifice, it's the emotion of receiving the gift which is a completely different style of presentation. Now, I felt three and four were far more interesting than one and two. But, Clearly. But I could see that it was a very technical conference with deep dive practitioner perspectives that, that maybe one and two are more appropriate. Um, I, so I think it depends, because I think there's also a fifth type. Okay. And the to accept fifth type is... Um, someone opens the box and unveils the Oculus Rift to the world for the first time, mm. right? Sets this device up and in the background they have playing a demo of the present they just delivered. Mm. So you can see like what people do with it, but not how to use it, right? People are wearing it and going, wow, but you don't know why, right? There's the mystery. And then the presenter gets up and talks about where they bought the wrapping paper. Right? As in, they've revealed incredibly interesting content and failed to deliver on the promise of that content in any measurable way. <laughs> right. right. They've talked about the least interesting thing for 40 minutes. Right. Well, the whole time you're going, no, 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 no. Okay, okay, I get it, I get it. It was wrapped beautifully. Move on. Move on. I want to see the thing. You've already, you've already shown me the thing. Give me the thing. Right. 
And that's the presentation that gives you content on the screen that you're reading and you're going, oh my God, this looks amazing. What the hell is the person talking about? Because it's not that. Nothing they said has been been amazing. Nothing they've said has been engaging. Why are you still talking about the box? Right. Why are you still talking about the box? Right. And and, And it's cool if the journey is that important. Why are we on the inside of the box slide? Right. Right. Because I, I, I find that to be the, the worst of all of them. Mm. You have something interesting to say, but you do not know how to say it. Right. Right. The first one doesn't have anything interesting to say it, but knows how to say it. Mm. Right. They're talking about the meticulousness of the wrapping paper and the history behind that particular design and blah, 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 blah. Right. And it, it's, it's, a, it's interesting, but it's an inch deep, so it doesn't really provide you any value. Right. Okay. Like, I could take that. If I get excited about it, I can go look it up myself. Smart enough to do that? Fine. Right. The second one assumes that you're a certain percentage along the journey. Right? You've already opened the box. You've already torn off the wrapping paper. And now you're looking at the thing. And now they're talking about the interesting and awesome stuff about the thing, about using the thing. So if we're all at the same part in the, in the point in the journey where we're ready to start using the thing, again, could be interesting. But if we're not all at the same part of the journey, that presenter seldom gets you to the same part of the journey. They just expect you to be at this place. I'm here to talk to you about the new HP NVMe all-flash software-defined storage array. Yeah. Okay, I'm not shopping for an all-flash storage array, so <laughs> I don't know why I would care about that kind of thing. I, I find the first two to be very IQ and the second two to be very EQ. Much more so. Right. And it and, it, and the, even on the first one, I see that as a, I don't know enough about the inside to describe the inside, so I'm going to focus all my time on the outside. Sure. Right. You find that with people who are presenting with that's with season and types. Right. They don't oh, really know too, entirely too often yet. Right. Or the opposite. You find a, a startup C, CTO that knows absolutely everything about the product, but except why anyone would ever use it for any reason. <laughs> right. Right. The first two are effectively technology for technology's sake, yeah. without with with different levels of understanding. Right. Right. The first one brings you there, the second one executes, but they never come together. Right. You never get to see the full picture. You never get to see, right. you know, you could see the inside of the toy. You could see the outside of the box, but you never get to see the toy built. Right. right? Um, so I agree. I find them less interesting, especially because we have an infinite amount of information available to us. Right? right. I can, in five minutes, I can fire up a YouTube video on any product I want, click double speed, and I've, in seven minutes, learned more than I could have in an hour and a half presentation. And I think that's fundamentally why I don't enjoy panels, because I don't think you can get much beyond one and two. Well, it's not just, but but that brings us to the other issue. Okay. And and so that's really content, yeah. right? Because you're going to deliver on the content, whether you created the content or not, you're going to deliver on content that fits box one, two, three, or four. Yeah. Okay. So so let's take all that off the table, okay. right? Because the other piece to it that's really important is the person delivering the content. Mm-hmm. You may not even be able to control one, two, three, and four. You may not be able to totally control what box you're given, right? right. You can. You're CTO of your company. I can. Sure. I'm CTO of my company. Was that always true at all facets of your no. career? No. Many times right. I was given something to present. The words, the slides, the right, everything. right. Thou shalt deliver this. Correct. Yeah. Um, and and I, I, I never obeyed, but <laughs> but I still was stuck with the con the confines of the box that I was placed in. Right. As much as I wanted to fight it, I can only fight it within the box. Right. Because it was the box I was given. I couldn't create content that I did not have. Right. Right. Um, which actually might explain why none of my content ever fits the slides because I got so used to dealing with other people's slides. Anyways, right. I don't want to get off on a tangent, but, but really 
the only thing that you have to bring then is the voice that you create. You own your voice, right? Right. And so, so that does mean one, you need to learn how to recognize what box you're being placed in, mm -hmm. right? Two, you really need to learn how to present because you can deliver a really, really, really well liked number one. The whole audience will love it. It will inspire them to go do their own research. It'll inspire them to see other content about that thing. It'll interest them, and you'll still have accomplished the goal even without going deep if you're a good speaker, if you're a compelling speaker, if you've developed a voice that people want to listen to. Now, is it the speaker or is it the topic? And the only reason why I ask that because during the exact same conference, Dak Shepard was a presenter. Okay. You're familiar with Dak Shepard? Very much. Yeah. So he did two interviews. Interview number one was with the CTO of a shoe company. Okay. Interview number two was with Kate Hudson. Okay. Distinctly different interviews. Yet yep. they were back to back. Because Docs doesn't have a lot of context, nor likely interest, in the technology aspects of the shoe company. Yet he has a clearly personal long history with Kate Hudson, to which they had a deep emotional sure. thing, right? I don't, it was not the talent of, of the interviewer at that point. I it's actually disagree. Is it? I totally disagree. You know, yeah. you think he would have been, Dax would have been just, he should have been just as successful with both? Uh, absolutely, or he should have got up on stage. Like, like, okay, look, it's Dax Shepard. He's not, he, he's not like a, a top A-list celebrity. True. But he's not on the B-list either. He isn't, he is well, he probably is. He's probably an A-lister, B-lister, right. right? He costs a fair amount of money to show up. I'm sure. He has a solid reputation. He's married to one of the most beautiful women in Hollywood. Yep. Right? A princess. Um, a princess. He's He he is probably more famous for what he says online yeah. than and his personal life than he necessarily is for professional life. 20 million downloads per play. Right. So, so... <laughs> Within the context of that, like that's, that's why I keep mentioning his name just so that. Just so you, you hopefully get yeah, you know, <laughs> we can do a hashtag Dex Shepherd as in our liner notes. Correct. So, so <laughs> no, but the important part is like at some point, he should be able to talk about a shoe company, and, and I think he probably could. But what did the in interviewer do to get him interested in the technology of shoes? Probably nothing. How did how did the interviewer make it personal to Dax? To then allow Dax him to make was it the interviewer. That's what I'm saying. Dax, Dax was, was the interviewer. Dax was interviewing both of those. Oh well, that means they didn't give Dax the information that he needed. I see. Right. I mean, an actor, you're 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 at that on that side, you're paying them to read lines. Right. right. Fair enough. So in so then, but again, it felt right? to me, at least from a from a audience member, that he clearly wasn't passionate about topic A as compared oh, to for sure. For sure. For sure. Oh, no, you pay, you're you going to pay me $50,000 to show up and read the cue cards? I'll show up and read the cue cards. It's fine. Right. Versus you want to get me excited about the shoe stuff, do some prep work with this person so we can have an interesting conversation? Right. I'll still do it for $50,000. Right. You know what I mean? If you're going to pay me... And I think the... I just think there's enough variables behind that. Yeah. The Unlike interviewee was significantly different too. He For probably sure. wasn't getting the the celebrity feedback that Dax kind of requires to riff. He probably wasn't getting any feedback necessary to riff. <laughs> He's the CEO of a shoe company, <laughs> right? Right. Like, I haven't I haven't seen a lot of compelling shoe company CEOs get up on stage. CTO even worse. Oh, it was the CTO? <laughs> yeah. Oh, what? Why would they do that? <laughs> 
So, so with, with all that, let me ask you a question. When our audience and the leaders on the technology field start, where do you think that they start their presentation career? It doesn't matter their, their leadership position, but when they start delivering, do they start on one, two, three, or four? Um, I think it depends on where you are in the or in your organization. I think everyone starts at either one or two, right? I think your first path is one or two. One and two, which is the high level and the in-depth, both, both technical, um, are generally driven by someone else giving you the seeds of the content in, in part or in whole, and, and then you either take an existing talk track or build your own talk track based on that content. I think everybody starts that way. Mm -hmm. I don't know of anybody that gets the ability to start with their own script and their own content, right? I, I don't care what actor you are, and if you started at three, you're still reading someone else's script, right? right? So I think everybody starts there. Um, the, the difference, I think, really becomes when you realize just because you're giving someone else's content doesn't mean you have to follow it precisely, and you do need to make it your own. And that's really the value that you add. Having a mouthpiece on stage is not like put play on a video behind you and just let it just let it go and and just cross your arms if that's what you're going to do because you're not adding any more value. But you have to admit that's a leap. Like I bet there was years I know for myself there was years where I felt I couldn't get out of the script. That it was my job to deliver that, and it was that's uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable to get out of that until I realized that was the only way I was going to be successful. No, to, I, I don't. To change it into I'm, my voice was the only way people would actually want to hear what I had to say. Yeah, yeah I'm not, I, and yeah. I'm not trying to say that it's easy to do. I'm not trying to say that it's simple. I'm not trying to yeah. say any of those things. It's none of those things. It is, it is hard to do. It does require a leap. It does require faith in yourself. It requires. It also requires practice and training, yeah. right? Um, the, you're not going to do it five times and be successful five your first five times, right? right? Um, you very well may have enormous stage fright. Like you may have all these things that you're dealing with. You may not know how to create it. You may not know how to how to build a voice. You're creating your own trough of disillusionment. <laughs> well, it's easy, right? If you're presenting somebody else's content, you can do that successfully hundreds of times. You as can. soon as you start putting in your own voice, all of a sudden the quality goes dramatically down. Correct. Because you're just not prepared for that. Well, well, what I would say is look at um, look at any interview where a comedian, really specifically a comedian, talks about. Um, how they get their sets together and what they go through to develop five minutes, mm -hmm. right? They'll try a thousand different iterations and every single time they'll get to what they consider their perfect set, but it gets stale. Right. So you have to change it exactly the same way technology gets stale. So you have to change it. Right. And then the set goes like this, right. right? As they fight through what's it going to look like before they again get to perfect set. But the perfect set doesn't last longer than it did last time. So you got to do it all over again, right? Everybody's seen it before, so you got to do it all over again. Everybody's seen it before, yeah. right? Um, it's the same process. You've talked about it. Oh, yeah. Yours is mine are always different. I don't script. <laughs> I don't work that way. Yeah. But but yours are scripted. Mine you, are scripted, and they're incremental changes as I test. Right. But you do the same thing, thing though. Yeah. You'll change like no one changes their whole five minutes. They yeah. change one minute of their five minutes. They change one bit in their five minutes. Yeah. And so that everything else would be great, and then that bit will drop. Oh, I put it in the wrong spot. Right. So we'll move it here. Okay, well that that was a little different. Okay, we'll, we'll go here. Oh, the timing was off. Oh, the whatever. Right. And you do the same thing. Hundred percent. Right. And until you once again get it back to that point that you're like, okay, this is ready for prime time. Let's yeah. go do this. Exactly. Right? And and you may test it live, without it being ready for prime time. <laughs> you're not likely to test it at GCP. No. Right. You're gonna test it at small conference. That's right. right? You're gonna test it at small audiences. Thirty people. Right.
right? You don't test it on a stage of 4,000. That's right. On a stage of 4,000, we use the old material. Yeah, you use the perfect material. Right. Right. So, <laughs> so, so I, I mean, I will say, like, there are some techniques. Honestly, stand-up is a great place to do some research. Not that you need to be funny, not that you should try to be a comedian, but their process matches this process closer than anything else. Yeah. Um, there's a few other tricks that I recommend when you're getting started, right? I am a, I am a trained actor um, from starting at a very young age. My, my dad was a theater major. We had some, some you know, history with that in the family. Um, so I recommend uh, start with Shakespeare and learn a monologue, ideally one that you like, that you can find online, that you can watch over and over again. Um, Shakespeare wrote an iambic pentameter which is lyrical in the way it is spoken. And so the pacing all sounds the way it should sound. It is always engaging. The tone, the timber, the pace is always good. And if you have somebody you can watch and you can understand that piece of Shakespeare, you can then learn to repeat that, that Shakespeare and find that for yourself. Then do poetry, right? Then find another monologue that you can do um, and just get comfortable with written material and finding the pace and finding where the pace is wrong and then change the word until the pace is right again. Um, that, I, I've taught that technique a lot. I find that technique works. That is absolutely the technique that I use. But again, I don't use a script. So it, I, I, I'm now to the point where I find a script distracting. And for those of us who do not have Howard's intellectual capacity to do any of those things, <laughs> uh, I couldn't do any of that, I readily admit. <laughs> I wasn't trying to make it overly complicated. I, I can't do any of that. It's way beyond my capability. But what I can do, and what I could suggest anybody could do, is perfect a story of your own that you've told time, time and time again. You might have misinterpreted uh, over time, and that and it grows in, the, in terms of the substantive value. But there's a story in your life to which you could perfect that usually is kind of funny, right? Some vacation you went on that did something. And use that as the baseline and keep telling that story. Modify it as you need for it to become something interesting. And then try to apply that story to some unique circumstance in your work. See if that see if that helps. So, so there's a very important component to storytelling. Especially when you're telling a story about yourself. It requires two things. One, it cannot be 100% true. You have to flex it a little bit. You have to make it a little bit larger than life. Yep. And two... You must be the butt of the joke, right? right? You can't be the hero, the the, un, the 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 absolutely sung hero of the story that you are telling. Right? Make yourself the funny part of the joke, or at least included in the funny part, right? Rub a little dirt on yourself through the story, so that when it's finished, if you do come out shining, you 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 you've got the tarnish rubbed off a little bit. Mm -hmm. Laugh at yourself. Um, other people will then laugh, laugh with you, not at you, right? That's so, so true. Um, and I don't know if we would talk about that a couple of years ago, um, but there's a course in Udemy that's called The Hero's Journey. And it was made by these guys that actually directed in Hollywood, and they teach specifically that concept, how to help you put yourself into the story and not be the hero there from the beginning because now it doesn't make no sense yeah you can't you can never start as the hero right right 
Um, no one can come along with you if you start as the hero. If you start as the hero, what you're saying is you're better than the audience from the very beginning. If yeah. you start as a member of the audience, at the same level as the level as the audience, you laugh at yourself. They see themselves. They can then see themselves as you. They can now see themselves in that position, and your hero's journey becomes their hero's journey through the power of this amazing human thing called empathy. Um, and immediately you have an excellent story. Immediately you're seen as one of them, but one of them that moved to where they want to be. That's actually one of the more challenging parts of starting a presentation. So not only do you want to do that, absolutely, but you also have to set up yourself as being a credible actor. C correct. Right. So in combination, you've got to say, I'm interesting to, enough to listen to, but I'm humble enough to help go along the journey with you. That is a very difficult thing to bring together at once, right? Yeah, so you can still, you can start with your bona fides, and then you can tell the story of how you got your bona fides through a lesson that was hard to learn. Right. That you're, right? Yeah, it's I, not I was, just exceptional intellect. It's, no, 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 no. It's, it's dumb the trials luck. and tribulations that come <laughs> along, it's the dumb luck, it's the mistakes you made and what you learned from. Right. I mean, let's be honest, right? And, and I, I know I've said this before on this podcast, I don't remember the successes that I've had but I can go through every single massive freaking failure. Sure. And not because there were zero. There were quite a few. Right. Right. I think, And I think we all can. I think we can all, like, if we all closed our minds, if everyone listening to this at this point closed your eyes and just thought for a second, what is that one failure point that still bothers you today? What is that one time you messed up? You trusted someone. You did something. You clicked the wrong button. Right. Whatever it happened to be, you deleted something you weren't supposed to delete. You turned something off in the middle of production that what that was the live system and not the test system. Whatever it happens to be, right, could be totally personal. What was that one thing? Uh, you don't need any more time. You've already thought of it, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Right. I, there's five that jump into my Bueller. mind. <laughs> Carlos right. is ready with the he is. He is. He's good. Um, but tell that story. Right, because everyone has one. You're not a failure because you have one of those. Everyone has those. Right? Now you're human, and now you can tell the story of how you learned from that, you overcame, and that launched you on this journey to become this expert. Right. Yep. So I know that we were talking about presentations at conferences, but how about when they come to deliver the presentation, and you're the vendor? And you're delivering that presentation towards a customer or someone that you're trying to do business with. Do we have the same, let's say, four buckets? I do it exactly the same way as I do it on a big stage. There is no difference or the for me buckets. whatsoever. The only thing that I do that's any different, Carlos, is um, I try to make it a little personal for the customer. But otherwise, no, I do it exactly the same way. Agreed, but I do perceive those four buckets. So, so if I was the buyer, I have seen those four different types of presentation styles. And again, while the first style would suggest that it's a somebody in the sales hierarchy, right? The CRO is presenting, you know, the wares of the customer, uh, wares of the vendor, which is meaningless to me, or it's very down technical, practical, which again is not interesting to me. It might be interesting to Howard, but certainly interesting to me. <laughs> what was more interesting to me was, well, how am I going to feel by implementing this thing? Right? What's the advantage to the team, the people, the 
the culture of the organization by this thing you're trying to present to me. That's what was most appealing. That's what I was listening for. Yeah, how are you going to make me a hero if I buy this thing? Right. That's literally it. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I will say, drop three quarters of your slides. Drop eight tenths of your slides. Right. I, I get that you want to give the customer a bunch of information and you may be told, hey, we use these as a leave behind. You know what's perfect for that? Put them in something called an appendix. After your closing slide, have another slide that says appendix, and then you can put all those slides in there as reference. I do that all the time, right? Um, there are conferences I present to that are not professional conferences. I think we've talked about them. Um, I generally, my last slide is a link to my GitHub that actually just contains the PowerPoint. And the PowerPoint is full of all the reference material that's been used so, so people can click through it. You can absolutely do that professionally. When I get up on stage, I generally have four slides. If I've made the content, it's four slides. I don't need more than four slides. I don't care if it's three hours, four slides. <laughs> Remember, the presenter's the content, not the slide deck. I'm pretty sure they could just be a white slide with no background. <laughs> You know, I remember the presentation <laughs> that you did with the windmills. Oh, yeah. You remember that? Yeah. That, like, everybody was like, where did he get that slide? I think something about the windmill. Um, but that is, that is really interesting for our audience. Four presentation types. Last question. Should the leaders learn those four styles first and then learn when to use them? Or should they only learn one or two of them? Um, I think I think you should find what you're comfortable with and, and present it. Figure out okay. if it fits in a box, figure out what box it fits into afterwards, right? So the first thing you need to do is get comfortable. Right, get comfortable developing that voice, get comfortable being on stage, develop a patois, develop something that sounds good to your own ear and those close to you. Right, then you can be introspective about it. And the point where you get introspective about it is the point where you go, okay, well, I just delivered that in this style. Let's call that style two. Mm -hmm. Right, and now you can think about, do I want to stay in style two? What does my job require? And what is the job that I want require? Right, because it may only, like, If you're if you're not a people leader, right, and you're a junior, if and you're a sysadmin, style two, that's where you're going to live. You're just going to live in style two right now, yep. right? You're going to stay in style two for a little while. Senior engineer, mm, you probably should be in style one, styles one and three more, right? You really should now be getting into the journey, and and a little more out of the technical. But you still probably need number two, the technical, when you're delivering to your team. Right. It really depends on what audience do you find yourself in, and are you comfortable enough to have more to to, to straddle more than one box? This that's not an easy thing either. I, I think it's very difficult to be versatile in this respect. Very very because you have a personality, and that's what's coming out in your presentation. And if your personality is superficial, your personality is technical details. If your personality is storytelling from either the process of getting this gift or the emotion of receiving this gift, um, I'm not sure you could easily cross even based on the audience. However, um, at the very least, perfect the style to which you do well at. 
versus trying to poorly implement four of them. Yeah, the secret to success is simply being an expert at the thing. So I watched a video earlier today and it was, uh, I think the title was like, holy crap or something. I'm happy to send it to you, it's awesome. And it is, a, be in the show notes. It is a person um, in a tent uh, and and it's at, it's at night, so it's a night vision camera, you know, so it's just grayscale. Yeah. And they are sleeping and there are two cheetahs or three cheetahs in there with them. And all of a sudden the cheetah gets up and starts to walk towards the person and they kind of startle. And you're like, oh, uh, did, was somebody sleeping in, in like Africa and she just wandered in and went, this seems like a good place to sleep? Because somebody's gonna die. Like, I don't wanna watch somebody die. <laughs> and then the cheetah went over and laid down with that person and cuddled with that person. Oh, needed some warmth. So it turns out that person's job is to sleep with the cheetahs because cheetahs get anxiety at night. And he is their emotional support human. And he calms the cheetahs so the cheetahs can sleep well. Interesting. My point being, if you are an expert at a thing, there is a job for that where you can be very, very successful. If you're an expert at just sleeping with cheetahs, there is a job for you. Find out what you're an expert at and really develop that craft and hone that craft and really show your expertise and show it on stage, you will be well rewarded in whichever of the four boxes you sit in. Or a fifth one that we didn't describe. Or a sixth one or a seventh. Title of the pod, Sleeping with Cheetahs. <laughs> I definitely gonna add that one. Well, my friend, it's been awesome to see you again. Looking forward to see when we can see each other in person again. This was awesome because definitely your presentation style it's what gonna open doors for you. When you master it, you can keep growing. And it's really important, like you mentioned, to learn where you are in your career so you can do one style and practice the next one so you can grow. So my friends, we'll see you on our next episode.